Don't talk, just listen. I'll plead not guilty right now. Does that warrant killing her? Well, to me it did. We are all evil in some form or another. And his chest was, was bruised and blood was coming out of his mouth. I should have gotten the death penalty. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 3 on Crime Capital Podcast. If you haven't already, please go back and give episode 1 and 2 a listen. I'd be super grateful. Let's jump straight in. Born in 1948, James Patterson Smith lived in Gorton, Manchester. He was said to be a non-drinker or smoker and never did any type of drugs. In 1980, his then-wife divorced him due to domestic violence towards her. Between 1980 and 1982, he was with 20-year-old Tina Watson. During this relationship, he beat Tina continuously, even when she was pregnant. Thankfully, she managed to escape. In 1982, Smith was around 34 years old and started a statutory rape relationship with 15-year-old Wendy Motterhead, who was also a victim of his abuse. He even attempted to drown her in the kitchen sink. It was in 1993, when he was around 45, that he met and started another statutory rape relationship with Kellyanne Bates, who was just 14 at the time. After two years, Kellyanne left school and moved in with Smith. It was only then her parents found out about this relationship, as she had hidden it from them this whole time. After meeting Smith for the first time, Kellyanne's mother said, As soon as I saw Smith, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. I tried everything I could to get Kellyanne away from him. And Kellyanne did leave Smith briefly after a series of arguments. But in November 1995, she was back living with him in Furnival Road in Gorton. It's around this time her parents got increasingly worried about her. They had noticed bruises on her, which she always explained away as accidents. By the December, Kellyanne had become increasingly withdrawn and even resigned from her part-time job. In the March 1996, her parents received birthday and anniversary cards from her, but were concerned when it only had Smith's writing in them. Kellyanne's brother did attempt to try and go and see her, but was told by Smith she was not home. Even a concerned neighbour knocked and asked where she was and was asking about her how she is. She was briefly shown in an upstairs window to them. It was on the 17th of April 1996 when Smith walked into a police station and claimed to have accidentally killed his girlfriend, Kellyanne, stating she had drowned in the bathtub, despite his supposed attempts to resuscitate her. When the police attended the property, they found Kellyanne's naked body in one of the bedrooms and blood was in every room of the house. I can't imagine what type of scene that must have been to walk into. Not what you would expect from a supposed drowning. During the last month of her life, she'd been subjected to the most horrific torture. She'd been kept bound to the house this whole time, sometimes tied to things by her own hair or ligatures tied around her neck. Home office pathologist William Lawler said that in his career, he'd examined almost 600 homicide victims, but never seen injuries this extensive. The postmortem actually revealed over 150 injuries. Some of these included scalding of the buttocks and leg, burns caused by an iron, a fractured arm, multiple stab wounds to her body and inside of her mouth, crunch injuries to both her hands, mutilation to her ears, nose, eyebrows, 
mouth and genitalia and partial scalping. Very disturbingly, he'd also gouged both her eyes out and stabbed into the sockets. The pathologist said that this had been done between five days and three weeks before she died. I cannot and don't even want to imagine the horror this poor girl must have gone through. Prosecutor Peter Openshaw said it was as if he deliberately disfigured her, causing the utmost pain, distress and degradation. The injuries were not that a result of a sudden eruption of violence. They must have been caused over a long period and were so extreme and extensive that the defendant must have deliberately and systematically tortured this poor girl. Her death must have been a merciful end to her torture. Shockingly, during the trial, Smith denied murder and said Kellyanne would put him through hell, winding him up, taunting him about being bold and of his dead mother. When asked why he blinded and battered her, he said she dared him to do it. Unsurprisingly, he took the jury just one hour to find him guilty. They later needed professional counselling to help deal with the distress of seeing photos of Kellyanne's injuries and the sickening violence of the whole case. He was sentenced to life in prison with a recommendation he serve at least 20 years. The judge stated this has been a terrible case, a catalogue of depravity by one human upon another. You are a highly dangerous person. You are an abuser of women and I intend, so far it is in my power, that you will abuse no more. He is currently in prison and eligible for parole this year. Let's pray he never gets out as I have no doubt he would do this again. I think his previous abuse on women was leading up to this. Unfortunately, Kellyanne wasn't as lucky as the others who got away. I can't help but think that if only one person knew about their relationship sooner, or he'd been held accountable for his previous abuse, Kellyanne might still be alive today. Thank you so much for listening. I would love to hear your feedback on this episode and suggestions for future episodes. You can get in touch by following my Instagram, Crime Capital Podcast. Until next time.